Welcome to today's show. And first of all, apologies if I sound like Barry White. However, I've come down with a touch of what's commonly known as man flu. Uh, the male listeners amongst us will know that this form of the influenza virus can be lethal. Um, ladies, please stop laughing. On today's show, we have Cliff Grant. Cliff is an animal rights activist based in Northern Ireland. And he has been involved in animal rights activism for a number of years, and in particular through the organisation Anonymous for the Voiceless. For those of you who don't know Anonymous, they're a vegan animal rights movement across the world. Cliff spearheads the Belfast part of that movement through events such as the Cube of Truth, which you'll come to hear a lot about a little bit later in the interview. You can look them up on Facebook by searching Anonymous for the Voiceless or Anonymous for the Voiceless Belfast. Hi Cliff. Uh, first of all, before we come on to talk about the work you do with Anonymous for the Voiceless, tell us a bit about your background and how you became vegan, how you became involved in the animal rights movement. Okay, Neil. Um, so before I was vegan, I was vegetarian for 25 years. Um, and really, I tell everyone this, I held vegan values since I was a child. I've always loved animals. Uh, always wanted to care for them, always wanted to look after them. And I think I was just taught by society that eating animals and wearing animals was, was a necessary thing. Um, so as I grew up, I became increasingly, you know, I, I was going away from eating meat products and I gave up eating pork when I was seven years old. And I stopped eating red meat when I was about 11. Um, I stopped drinking milk in my teens. So the last thing that remained for me was was chicken right up until I was 20 years old. But I'm talking 30 years ago this happened. And I think I just was led to believe that I had to consume these products to be healthy and to survive. And it wasn't until I met my wife when I was 19 years old. She was vegetarian. And... Even at that time, I didn't realize vegetarian was a thing. And she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't eat, eat animal products. I don't eat meat and I don't eat flesh. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool by me. I don't want to eat animals. I've never wanted to, to eat them. And I became vegetarian at that point. And then I lived the next 25 years of my life being kind of blindly ignorant, thinking vegetarian, I'm doing the right thing by the animals. And I genuinely didn't realize the cruelty involved in the dairy industry and the egg industry until I was 45 years old, which is six years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sitting in work one day and flicking through old YouTube stuff. I was actually watching a Durian writer video back in the day, and he mentioned a speech by a guy called Gary Urofsky. Uh, on YouTube is the greatest speech you'll ever hear. And it was a November day six years ago, pouring rain outside and we weren't busy and work and I clicked on to this speech and I fully expected to not be you know a speech on YouTube sounds like something really boring but I was like hooked by it straight away and it lasts about 40-45 minutes and I got to the end of it and I was like wow this guy is speaking directly to me he's telling me everything I've believed my whole life and I basically went vegan right on the spot on that day. And I came home and said to my wife, I'm, I'm going vegan. And she was like, uh, when? And I said, no. Uh, and I went basically went vegan on the spot, 
people talk about going vegan overnight, and I know it's for some people it's a journey, and it takes a few weeks or a few months. Um, but literally, I went vegan overnight, and I threw all the food stuffs out of the kitchen. Uh, I went upstairs and I removed all the leathers and stuff that I'd been wearing for years, and I went vegan overnight. Uh, so yeah, twenty-five year journey, you could say from from when I was a, a teenager until now. But like I say, I've I've always been vegan. Um, I just was taught by society that um, taught by society to pay people to do things to animals. I would never pay for myself. Uh, unless I had to, and I, I don't have to. So that was a pivotal moment for me, the Gary Yurovsky speech. That was the day that I aligned my instincts um, with my actions, you know, my actions with, with my, my ethics that I'd always had. What was it about the Gary Yurovsky speech that resonated with you so much in terms of the message that it delivered? Um, well, the, the Gary Yurovsky speech, as a standalone speech, I would say, Neil, is probably the be- the greatest speech I have ever seen. Um, all the points he made, I couldn't argue with any of them at all. Um, he spoke. It's very hard to explain. The guy is really knowledgeable. His arguments are really well thought out, mm-hmm. uh, and he just spoke directly to me. And I think he taught me on that day that um, I believed in the dairy industry and the egg industry to be. There's nothing wrong with them. I didn't realize there was anything happening in those industries. I mean, yeah, as far as I was concerned, the animals don't have to die. We're just eating a product from them. A product that with cows, I mean, people talk about cows giving milk. Well, I thought cows gave milk to us. That's what they're there for. It seems so stupid now when I think back on it. For 25 years of my life, my life I, was, I believed that cows give milk to us. But when I watched that video... He speaks succinctly and straight to the point and straight to the truth. And when I watched it, I just couldn't argue with anything at all. And I had to, you know, like I said, it was a pivotal, pivotal moment for me. Yeah. When I realized that I had been for the last 25 years paying people to do things unknowingly uh, to animals that I would never do myself. And that was the day I thought, okay, well, I'm an animal lover. And I'm, you know, I can no longer continue to pay people to do these things. I have to go vegan. There's no, there's no other choice. You know, I can't do anything else. So, yeah. You talked about moving from a vegetarian um, diet to a vegan lifestyle, and the reasons for doing that. Now, at some point, for some of us, we then decide once we're vegan that that's not enough, and we need to get involved in activism in order to promote the message and to get the word out there and start influencing other people and to educate them. Tell us about the how and why behind your decision to start getting involved in activism. So, yeah, just on the activism thing, I think at the start I didn't realize when I first became vegan that I could make a difference, and that was a throwback to my old vegetarian days where I thought, okay, well, I'm doing enough now. I'm not doing any harm to the animals, and, and I'm doing enough. And I've realized over the past two or three years that hold on a minute, you know, veganism is a grassroots movement and I don't have to stand back and wait for government or business to, to make a change. We can actually make a change where change matters and that's in the consumer, the, the public who are buying the products and often unwittingly they don't, it's one of the things I've learned in activism in the past few years that people don't realise the cruelty that are involved in the industries. So I thought, okay, what can I do? And I tried 
other forms of activism. I tried DXE disruptions for a short time um, and, and one or two different things. And then I stumbled upon uh, Anonymous for the Voiceless. And what Anonymous for the Voiceless do is education, basically. So we go onto the street and we show footage. Um, many groups use laptops, but we've now funded uh, four large TV screens, which we hook up. And we just show people, we stand in the street, uh, so we do a cube, what's called a cube of truth. So we stand in a square, uh, and we on each side of the cube we have one truth sign and one television screen showing the footage. And it's a documentary called Land of Hope and Glory.org. It's undercover footage from farms and slaughterhouses all around the UK. Uh, and it's... One critical point on that is it's not somebody being deliberately cruel to animals or going out of the way to beat or, or hurt the animals. It's just standard practice. It's stuff that happens every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. So we show that on the TV screens and we allow people to come to us. So as we're standing there, people will approach the screens. We allow them to engage for 20, 30 seconds and then somebody on outreach will go and speak to them. Um, and we don't preach to people, we only educate. And one of the things we do, I don't know, Neil, if you're aware of the Socratic method. No, tell me about it. So the Socratic method we use is oftentimes if you're preaching to somebody and saying, I'm right and this is the way it is, people can get very defensive. So what we do is we ask questions. We say to people, have you seen this before? What do you think of that? Does that make you hungry? And that allows people to, first of all, think about their answer without you preaching to them. And it also allows them to arrive at the conclusion themselves, if that makes sense. So you you haven't told them the answer. You can ask questions to allow them to arrive at the right answer themselves. And it's highly effective. It works works really, really well. Because most people, when they see what's happening to the animals and when you explain to them that it's not necessary... I think a lot of people we talk to think it's a need. Mm. But we, you know, we're able to debunk that now. There is absolutely no need for any of this to happen whatsoever. Uh, so highly effective. We go out now at the minute two times a month on Saturdays for two and a half hours, and we um, talk to people, and then we leave them with a card. And the card is a support card. It gives them links to the Garyovsky speech and links like What the Health, uh, Land of Hope and Glory, Forks Over Knives is on it, Cowspiracy, I'm sure you're well aware of all these. And then there's resources as well and must-reads and then a link to challenge22.com, which is a website they can go on and get full support for 22 days. Um, Most people... Not arguing with us anymore. I think two years ago, people used to argue with us. Mm. Uh, but I find in the last six months in particular, I think because of social media, people are seeing things on social media. They're seeing the cruelty, and they've read a little bit about the dairy industry that they didn't know before. So people are coming to us now looking for information. And it's it's really great to see. And we're hitting, we count after each cube, we count the number of people we've spoken to on the day that have taken veganism seriously. People we think are going to go home and make moves to make a change in their life, and we regularly hit between 120 to 150 people on any given day in two and a half hours. So, yeah, it's it's one of the best things I've ever done, to be honest. It's one of the most effective forms of activism. Uh, Like I say, we're not judging people because 
we come from a place where, well, I used to eat these products, so why would I shout at you for eating products that I have when I didn't know any better? So, yeah. you know, does that make sense? So, Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, I mean, I've seen you guys in action, and I was struck at how eye-catching it actually looks uh, firsthand. It's quite impactful. People dressed uh, head to toe in black. We've got some photographs up on the Vegan World Facebook page if anybody wants to take a look at the guys in action. Because it's so eye-catching and because of the message that you're delivering, what has been the reaction uh, from members of the general public? I'm keen to understand what the reaction has been from some farmers that you've encountered. Yeah, so with the members of the public, like I say, two years ago, people were more reticent and um, more negative, I think, when we first started doing it. But in the last six months to a year, there's no negativity from the public at all. like we were out last Saturday and the first group of young girls I spoke to for 15 minutes maybe I spoke to them and as they walked away one of the young girls turned around to me and said I'm now vegan and she had cried for five minutes before that not because of what she was watching on the screen but because I think she realised from what I was telling her that she like everyone else had been indoctrinated and almost you're almost lied to by society that you have to pay for this and she realized in that 15 minute period that, hang on a minute, I don't have to pay for this anymore. So we regularly get people who will say to us, I'm, glad, I'm so glad I was meant to meet you today, or I'm so glad I spoke to you today. Um, and we get messages from people saying, hey, I met you guys in the street and I just wanted to let you know that I'm not, I've now gone vegan. I've thrown everything out. And it's so good to hear that. That's the obviously people have questions and we're there to answer the questions um but when you we get so many people now who positive feedback to us it's it's unbelievable and i think people are reticent to get involved in sometimes in outreach because they think they have to be an expert in nutrition and ecology animal husbandry and religions another one we get a lot but all you really need to do to do outreach is learn answers to Yet the 12 questions, the protein questions, and the lions eat meat. And if you learn those answers and can talk to people in a reasoned fashion, the brilliant thing about veganism is it can't be debunked. You know, there's no, yeah. <laughs> I have yet to hear a good argument against veganism. So we just lead people over the hurdles they have until they get to the finish line, and it works so well. The farmer thing, yes, we do for sure. Um, not too often, but every now and again we get farmers approaching. Uh, most of them are okay. They want to know what we're doing. Um, they're approachable. Farmers are not bad people. That's that's the thing. Is, this media portrayal of vegans versus farmers is, to me, it's a bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've had a couple of negative situations with farmers. We had one got drunk farmer one day. It was the Christmas market and the guy had had a few drinks and he was like oh you guys are a disgrace and you shouldn't be allowed in this country and blah 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 <laughs> um, but he he actually got moved along by the police um, but that's unusual most of the conversations I have with farmers start off with them being defensive and end up I'll generally shake their hand or give them a hug because farmers believe it or not their natural reaction is to defend what they're doing. But if you talk to them at the right level, most of them will admit to you that they're not really comfortable 
with what they do. They just see it as they are providing a need. And they will say, a lot of them will say the same thing. I hear this a lot. Oh, we're just feeding the country. So farmers are just producing what people want to eat, really. Uh, so that's why I don't attack farmers. I want to get to the source of the problem, which is the consumer. So if you talk to farmers, farmers are the very people that realize that they will fully admit to you that animals are individuals and they all have personalities and they have friends and families. And loads of them are not very comfortable with sending animals to the slaughterhouse. They, they don't like to do it. It's, um, I think some vegans think that farmers, now this is very few, this is the extreme. Some vegans think that farmers are the enemy, and I don't think farmers are the enemy at all. I think farmers need help. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was talking to a dairy farmer and his wife two weeks ago, and first of all, they were saying, oh, we treat our and the usual things they'll say is, we treat our animals like children, and uh, we're really good to our animals. And I don't doubt these people do treat their animals well, but obviously there comes a day when they go on a truck to a slaughterhouse and then all that good treatment and welfare is going out the window. Uh, but I said to her, what happens to the boy calves on your farm? And immediately her face dropped. And she said to me, uh, on the day they go, she said, I'm not on the farm. And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, I can't be there. I don't want to watch it. So that shows me that on a level, she knows that sending little baby boy calves to market and then they'll go on to slaughter or go for veal is wrong. The only reason they're doing it is because they're providing what they see as a need. So we have to get to the consumer and say, okay, we need you to buy something else. We need you to buy plant-based food mm-hmm. and take away that need, and then the farmers can transition to something else. But it's something the farmers need help with. The only thing I would say on that is that farmers maybe need to be more honest and come forward and say, look, okay, I'm not comfortable doing this, and I need help to do something else and maybe that's for government and government the government at the minute are, are just standing back and watching this play out and I think they need to be more actively involved where maybe the subsidies that are going towards making you know meat and dairy sustainable and making it affordable to the public if those subsidies were given the farmers to transition to some other type of farming or doing something else with their land maybe that's the way this thing needs to go so we need government to be in that way to be more actively involved and not just stand back and watch this this play out now because it's you know it's quite a big thing now and yeah. so it's getting to the point where something needs to be done at a higher level I think particularly when we see the reports that are coming out from the UN and um, you know all the scientists are telling us we need to move to a plant based diet so yeah. government now can't just stand back we need to step up and do something. It's interesting the point that um, you make about farmers, um, Cliff, because in the experience of what I can see in the likes of social media and the stories that we see in, you know, in our news feeds and what have you, you've obviously got two different kinds. You've got the likes of Jay Wild, who's quite a famous farmer now, an ex-beef yeah. uh, farmer, who mm-hmm. is the subject of a documentary called 73 Cows, which has been you know, uh, nominated for a BAFTA, believe it or not. Um, yeah, yeah. His story is a fascinating one because as an ex-beef uh, uh, farmer, he couldn't put himself and his wife through the stress of 
raising these cows, understanding their personalities, who they were, watching the friendships that they developed with one another, knowing that they were individuals in their own rights, and then one day packing them off to the slaughterhouse. He, the words he used were, uh, it was the ultimate betrayal. And you can kind of understand where he's coming from. Well, completely understand where he's coming yeah. from. With that. I mean, even this week, there was a farmer in Devon who I think most vegans will know the story. Um, he's been a farmer for over 47 years. He was in the process of driving 20 uh, male lambs to the slaughterhouse and he turned the car mm-hmm. around and decided to go to the Good Heart Animal Sanctuary near yeah. Kidderminster and hand them over yeah, to that and washed his hands of the whole slaughter business. Yeah, and I think that cost him £10,000 from what I believe. Well, that's it. You know, a lot of money better there. Said, I realised I couldn't do it anymore. The emotional toll would become too much. I'll still be in the yeah. farming world, but not livestock farming. So it was quite a brave mm-hmm. move, um, but an intelligent yeah, sure. move as well, uh, because there is money to be made um, when you move away from it. It's just, as you said before, the education of the people, uh, particularly in the livestock industry, I'd say there is another way of doing this. But yeah. Now, you've been involved in some radio and television debates here in Northern Ireland, and sometimes with farmers. And when I've listened back and watched those, they were given a significant amount more of time than you were. Now, tell me about those interviews and how you feel they went, or were you given a fair crack of the whip? So, Radio Ulster, BBC Radio Ulster, asked me on to... So the Ulster Farmers Union have released, they have adverts actually running on the radio at the minute, and they released uh, a press release saying that veganism had gone too far and that people who ate a vegan diet were going to get sick. Because that's what we're taught. Like, <laughs> I always think that meeting like a cult, and you're taught that if you leave the cult, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. And the actual truth is the opposite. You're going to, you should thrive on a vegan diet. So they, they're putting this information out that meat's good for you and dairy's good for you and um, all these nutrients that you get from meat and stuff uh, are really good for you. And this is the best source to get it from. And it's just a document of misinformation and half-truths, basically. And, you know, that's all it is. Uh, so I was brought on to talk to him about this. We were supposed to do like a half-hour piece at the end. I was getting squeezed to 10 minutes and... I think they brought me on thinking, oh, this is just another vegan extremist. And I, I believe my arguments were reasonably solid and realized that he got a wee bit triggered, in my opinion, and started shouting over me and saying some ridiculous things about vegans eating pineapples. And he referenced all of Liverpool football players started eating vegan diets. Everybody would be doing it. The irony in that is, of course, that many athletes already are eating a vegan yeah, plant-based exactly. diet. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think his basic argument was, these products are good for you because I say so. You know, it's like somebody said to me in work, it's like BMW saying to people, uh, people aren't dri- driving enough BMWs, mm-hmm. buy more. You know, so I was trying to debunk his argument with, the actual facts, I mentioned the, the China study and Dr. Greger and Dr. Neil Bernard and Milton Mills and, you know, this is the proper science. And he just basically showed it over the top of that. I don't know you've heard the interview. Um, uh-huh. My take on it is that Radio Ulster probably have a demograph of, I mean, Northern Ireland's got a high amount of people who are involved in the farming community and they obviously don't want to upset people who listen to the program. Mm. So um, I think in the short period of time I have, I got some good points across. 
I actually asked him at one point, he was going on about humane slaughter and how good the abattoirs here are, etc., etc. And I asked him, how do you humanely kill someone who doesn't want to die? Yeah. And he said, well, I'm not going to get into that argument. And I said to him, well, it's not an argument, it's a question. And I, I think his reply was, well, that's just something that vegans throw out. But he didn't answer the question no. because he doesn't have an answer. Now, one of the points that was put across in the interview was uh, vegans don't get enough iron. And we've all heard the protein thing without disappearing down that particular rabbit hole. Now, what was your response to that? Well, so one of the things that they said on the document is that, well, they mentioned protein and they mentioned zinc, and I think potassium possibly, and iron was their main one, and they were saying that meat is a great source of iron, and it's easy, easier to absorb than plant-based iron, which is absolutely true. But the point they have omitted from all that is, so you you have two, you'll be aware of this, you have different types of iron, two different types. One is heme iron, which comes from animal flesh and blood, Mm -hmm. and then your plant-based iron, which comes obviously from your plants. Um, So heme iron is 100% easier for your body to absorb, but that's a bad thing. Your body can't control the absorption of heme iron. And being a pro-oxidant, iron in too high amounts is bad for your body. So you can be too low on iron and you can be too high on iron. Uh, you want to be just in the sweet spot in the middle. So being easier to absorb or your body not being able to control the absorption of healthy iron is a bad thing. And iron has been linked to heart disease and uh, rectal cancers and all different sorts of cancers, this heme iron. So the best way to you to get iron is from plant-based sources like broccoli and collard greens, not from the flesh of a dead animal. So that yeah, they told you the part that stood at their argument, but they admit it. They admit it. The the fact that heme iron is actually really really bad for you. Yeah. Um, so like I say, it's a it's a document of misinformation and mis just basically what the meat and dairy industry have been doing for a long time and misleading people and playing on people's uh, worries that they're, you know, if you go vegan, you're going to be deficient in iron and you're not going to get enough protein. And zinc was a random one they threw out. And all this is nonsense. You can get all those things easily from plant-based kingdom. Um, so yeah, easily to easy to debunk. Not just by me saying it, by because I I don't know these things. I know these things by reading what the likes of uh, Esselstein and. and Campbell and Bernard and Gregor and Milton Mills and mm-hmm. the studies by Cornell and Harvard are telling us that meat and dairy are bad for you and you will be much healthier on a plant-based whole foods vegan diet. Simple. You've touched on something there within the context of that interview with Radio Wolstercliffe. I'm also thinking about how some in the media, like Piers Morgan or our very own Stephen Nolan, behave towards vegans. They tend to bring them on their show, basically shout at them and try to portray them as either extremists or paint them in a foolish picture. Yeah, and that, argue, that, that advert I um, mentioned to you from that document they released is actually playing on Radio Ulster, so, you know, like you say, they are funding the radio station. That's incredible. Now, with that context, do you think vegans are given a fair shout in the media, in your opinion? No, I don't think so at all. I don't think so. I think the media are looking for shock stories. Um... And I think they're wanting to portray us as extremists. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the culture of, you know what clickbait is on YouTube where people on the videos 
just to get people to, with extreme titles, just to get people to click on the video and watch it. Mm-hmm. I think the media work the same way. So they're looking for a shock story. They're looking for the extremes. And it's almost like, how would I explain it? It's like an ad hominem attack on veganism. So the, the genuine discussion of the topic at hand is avoided. And, and what they do is instead is they, they attack the character of the people making the argument. They portray you as an extremist. Um, and they don't want to talk about veganism as a you know a base argument or a base discussion. So they won't bring you on and allow you just to sit there for half an hour and talk about just talk normally about why you're vegan and why it's good for you and why it's better for the animals. They want to either go for the shock story or another thing that they do is they'll bring somebody on from the farming community or from the other side of the argument so that when you make a point, then, okay, they'll go to the other person and they immediately give their side of the argument. It's this balance thing that they talk about. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't know, I just don't think the media have fully accepted the veganism. I don't think they realise the scale of what's happening in, in particularly in the Western countries and in the UK and the US, that veganism is becoming mainstream now. And it's going to get to a point where the shock stories are going to be moved to the side and then we can have an actual discussion. And the, the good thing is, as you know, veganism cannot be debunked. So they dismiss us as crazy and extreme, but that's... I always think of Gandhi, Neil. I don't know if you know the quote. So he said, first, first they ignore you and then they laugh at you. Or then they fight you and then you win. And I think we're at the stage now where I'm going to use the word fight for the the farming communities and the meat and dairy industries are now scared. They see the rise in veganism as skyrocketing and they're trying to protect their vested interest and in making money. So they're now fighting back with misinformation and advertising and whatever. And the media is doing the same thing. But I have no doubt um, there's there's come a time when, when we will win the argument because you can't debunk veganism. There's no argument, no decent argument against it, or at least I have yet to hear one. I like to think we'll get to a vegan world and hopefully we, we see it in our lifetimes. But do you, where do you see the movement? I say the movement. It's a lot of different strands to it. It's the environmental argument. It's environment one's argument. one that's going to help the movement greatly in the next few years. When you see, you know, the UN coming out and telling us avoiding meat and dairy is the biggest way to reduce the environmental impact on the planet. And the Lancet Commission two weeks ago, thirty of the world's leading scientists across the globe saying that we must cut our meat and dairy consumption globally for so that our children will have a planet to live on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something, that's an agenda that is going to push forward in the next few years, I think, big style. Um, you know, when science is telling us, move to a plant-based diet, or the planet is going to mess up in 12 years' time, well then, how did government, and, you know, how did government argue against that? So that's something that's going to push the movement forward much faster maybe than any of us ever expected. Mm-hmm. which is a good thing so Cliff tell me what's next for Anonymous for the Voiceless and where can people find you so Anonymous for the Voiceless if you just go onto Facebook uh, and search AV Belfast and then you can join the group and there's just a couple of wee questions when you're joining the page just to make sure because obviously sometimes you get the bacon trolls will come onto the, the pages mm-hmm. So you just have to answer a couple of questions and then you can join the group and you're, everyone who's 
Fagan is very welcome to come along and see what we do. Um, like I say, people can be scared of activism um, because of the media portrayal of what activism is, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. Anybody who comes along, we have almost 50 people who are active in the group now and coming along to the events. I would say on most days we have between 25 and 35 people. Uh, best bunch of people I've ever met, kind people, and we're doing such great work now. So you can find AV Belfast on Facebook, and there's 110 groups in the UK now, Neil. So almost every major city in the UK has an AV group. So if you're not from Belfast, you know, if you're from England or Scotland or Wales or wherever you're from, you can go on and find one that's local to you and get involved. Uh, highly recommend it to anyone. It's really great to get out there and feel like you're making change happen. Well, you guys are certainly making a difference, Cliff. And for one, thanks for the, the hard work that you do and the good work that you do and keep up oh, with it. Cheers, work. man. Thank you so much, now. I think that's how change is really going to happen. If you, I always say to people, if you think about it, so I think there's three, three and a half million vegans in the UK now. That's up in two years, no, three years from 600,000, which is a 700% rise. It's amazing. That's huge. And it, you know, if you imagine, Neil, if those three and a half million people this year spoke to just one other person and told them what they know mm-hmm. about these industries, and that one person went vegan, well, then next year we'd have seven million. Mm-hmm. And the year after that, that seven million people spoke to one other person and told them, and they realized, okay, I don't want to pay for this anymore. You know, we'd have 14 million, and change really can't happen that fast. Um, you know, so it's it's a grassroots movement, and it's a movement of the people, and we just need to we just need to speak up and tell people the truth. And good people, when they hear the truth, and when they see what most people are animal lovers, Neil. So when they see the truth and they see what's happening to these animals, they realise most people think they might have a few questions, they might argue against it initially, but I. We can see from the numbers, you look at the January, I think there was 14 people signed up in 2014 in the first year, and this year there was over 250,000, so Fantastic. big changes coming, you know, now it's going to come from the consumer and from the people, so it's exciting times we live in, and like you say, I have no doubt, I'm 51 now, and I absolutely believe that we are moving towards a vegan world, and I'm determined to see one in my lifetime, so hopefully that'll happen. Fantastic, Cliff. Listen, thanks for your time today. I appreciate you doing that. Neil, thank you so much. My thanks to Cliff Grant for today's interview. If you get a chance to see those guys in action, they're definitely worth a look. Get on to the Facebook page, Anonymous for the Voiceless Belfast. Cliff and the rest of the guys do such a great job making people aware of the suffering animals go through on a daily basis and basically just drawing people's attention to what goes on so my thanks to him uh, my thanks to you for listening and i hope to hear you back next week uh, for another installment of vegan world thanks guys bye bye for now